and we thank you for this wonderful privilege and honor to come to break open the bread of life. And Lord, I never take preaching or ministry from the word lightly. It's always an ordained appointment and time. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be up here, Lord. But I believe, God, that every time we open up your word, even though it may be something that we've heard before, it's fresh. And God, I pray for a fresh word, a fresh unction from above. And God, that you would just anoint these lips of clay. And God, let the word come forth. Speak to my heart. Surface the things. Surface the things. The thoughts, the truths that you want me to speak tonight in this congregation. And God, we will give you praise and honor and glory for we love you. We love you tonight, Lord. We love you so much. And I pray you pierce our hearts. Deal with us, Lord. And begin to get a hold of our hearts and soften the hardened hearts, Lord. And let them, let them be softened, Lord, from that hard place. But God, restore, God, because there's a place I believe a lot of people, Lord, want to be again in their life. And Lord, 2023 is a, a time of uh, reboot and God, a, a restoration and a fresh revival and a fresh start. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we ask your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 39 says this, And when they, speaking of Mary and Joseph, had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, by taking Jesus in and having him dedicated and made an offering, and he was circumcised and everything, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Now, I didn't say this in my notes here. I didn't have it written down, but... I just want you to take note that Mary and Joseph went every year to the Feast of the Passover. They had their own relationship with God, and they probably had a local synagogue or someplace where they began to go and fellowship or, uh, you know, people around them, Jews around them, That, of course. But they went every year in obedience up to Jerusalem after the custom of the Feast to the Passover. They went there, and, um, and Jesus went with them. He took him with them. They took him. They didn't leave him behind, okay? Uh, it's very important that we don't say to our children, do as I say, but do as I do. Watch me. Watch what I do. I say this every time I dedicate a child unto the Lord in this church, that parents, you're to teach them and train them, and they're watching everything that you're doing, the example that you're setting, and you may say in your heart, you know what? There's things that I do my kids would never know that I do them. I'm going to tell you something right now. The devil will see to it that the spirit that we've allowed in our life, whether it be rebellion or whether it be a lust or whether it be some kind of a disobedience unto God and sin, it will come back to haunt them. That's why our children need to be trained up in the admonition of the Lord and trained up in the way that they should go. And the way that they should go is the way that you are supposed to go. They're following you. Amen. So parents, make a mental note of this today and be mindful of this. That your children's responsibility, your responsibility to your children rather, is to lead them and to train them by example. Amen. And when they're older, it's like my dad used to say, I'm going to cry. He used to say to me, son, he said, when your kids are little, he said, they step on your toes. But when they're older, they step on your heart. They don't have to if you teach them right. You lead them by example. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says, and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. We're talking about people that had had a visitation from angels, had been told to take Jesus to different places, and 
by an angel, told to go here, told to go there. They had divine visitations, angelic visitations. And you know what happened? Now they've come to a place where they lost sight of Christ Jesus. They lost sight of Him. They didn't even realize He wasn't there. There's a lot of people in this generation and in this time. I'm watching people falling away from God. The very prophetic word in Thessalonians is coming to pass. A great falling away. I'm watching it before my eyes. It is absolutely horrifying to me to see it happen. But I'm watching it happen, but it doesn't have to be. But just to go, it just, just goes to show you that even those that have had great experiences in God can lose their way and lose, uh, uh, watch as, as, as Christ slips from them and they don't even know it. But they supposing, verse 44, uh, him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they returned or turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors both hearing them and asking them questions and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Jesus's. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And Jesus said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down to them with them to Naz and came to Nazareth and was subject or in submission unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now I'm teaching this as we come into our 2023 year to challenge us to grow, to challenge us to be uh, to make an impact on the generation that we're in. Because we can be Christians in the generation that we're in, but are we impacting the generation that we're in? Are we making a difference? Are we speaking life into them and seeing their lives changed? So I want you tonight to... to Go away from this service tonight and say, Lord, I want to grow and I want to be challenged to uh, impact my generation because as I've said it time and time and time and time again, Jesus is the answer for your soul's salvation. But the church is the answer for the world. Amen? You and I, the church, are the answer for the lost. And so we want to grow and we want to make a difference and make a mark by by preaching the gospel and seeing souls saved in this generation. And tonight I also want to just exhort you in some things that I believe God would have me to say. And so I'm kind of going to be in a lot of different places. And as Brother Talbert said, it's going to be like the, the fat farmer going through the bobbed wire fence. There's going to be a point here and a point there. But God's going to talk to you. If you're searching for a mentor or a teacher, Jesus is the one. Because man will fail you. Man has failed us. They don't have to, they shouldn't, but they do. That's why we got to keep our eyes on Christ Jesus. Because he's the greatest example, the greatest testimony with the greatest accomplished life here upon this earth. The Bible says that he's the author and the finisher. That means that he, 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 he came into this life born, lived his life, died on a cross, and he finished the work that he was brought here to do or birthed to do. So he's the author and the finisher. He finished his work here, and he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So this message here is kind of, it's, it kind of has a, it's double-edged, if you will, that it shows us how Jesus lived his life and gives us just a very little bit of information, but enough to make a sermon out of and get the point across. This is, this is how he lived his life, and he finished 
his course. He finished what he was called to do here upon this earth. And it speaks to us that our life has a purpose too. Our life has a, a purpose in God and what we're supposed to do. So he not only finished what he was called to do, but he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Our faith must be continued from the time we're born again to the time we take our last breath or are raptured out of here. We must continue to keep the faith. And he's the one that keeps stirring in our life. He's the one that keeps stirring in the Spirit of God and giving us grace and surfacing things in our life. When we're at our lowest moment, God's the one that doesn't give up on us. We're in a journey here, church. Are you hearing me? We're in a journey upon this life. So know this tonight. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And what does Hebrews 12 tell us? It says, lay aside. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of wit, let us lay aside all the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Everybody has things that easily beset them. But God is saying, set them aside. Put them to the side. But I don't want to put it to the side, Pastor. I love it. Then go to hell if you want to. But God is saying to you and me tonight, if we're going to run this race and we're going to make heaven our home, we're going to have to lay aside every weight and and every sin and run this race with patience looking unto Jesus looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith I'm going to tell you something you know why I stay close to God I don't want to go to hell that's why and that should be you too but he said He's the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says in the scripture that he grew. In verse 40, waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. What we know to do, we must do. What must we do? We must be people that grow in God. How do I grow, Pastor? We must study the scriptures. We must be students of the word of God. We must apply the scriptures. Amen. You want to know why you don't have a desire in your heart for the things of God? Ask yourself the question, when was the last time you opened up your Bible? There have been times I thought, Lord, I don't feel you, and I just feel like I can't conquer things in my life. He said the word of God is a cleansing agent. Read the word, and I begin to read the word, and I begin to feel this check in my spirit. Whatever it may be that I'm reading, I'll just read until something leaps out at me, and God begins to convict me. If we're going to grow, we must be people who study the scriptures. We must apply the scriptures, and we must obey the scriptures. Amen. There are scriptures we must obey and there's scriptures we apply. There's things God says thou shalt not do and thou shalt not do them. Amen. But then the things that you apply are the promises of God. Amen. That me and my household shall be saved. Hallelujah. That upon you know me he said I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. If you hunger and thirst after it there's a, des there's a desire in your heart God will pour out his spirit Spirit upon you. There's promises in the Word of God we can apply. There's scriptures that we must obey. And what we don't know to do or seem powerless to do, we must ask of God. He said, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and upbraideth not. He said, How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them which ask him? Amen. Hallelujah. He gives us faith. He gives us grace when we ask Him. Amen. There are things in the Bible, all the things that we need from God. He said, ask of me. I'll give it to you. I'll pour it out upon you. You need wisdom, I'll give it to you. You need the power of the Holy Ghost, I'll give it to you. You need faith, I'll give it to you. You need grace for a situation, I'll give it to you. He is the God who has everything that you need. You just got to ask Him. So the things we don't know to do and that we're powerless to do in ourselves, 
We must ask God to do and give us the power to do through us. There's things I know to do. Open up this Bible and read it. But then I got a situation that I need help. I need God to intervene and I need an answer. I need grace for a situation. Somebody broke my heart. I need God's grace. (laughs) I need help to forgive somebody. I need God's power and His Spirit and His grace. I need help through a situation where I need God to perform a miracle and meet my need. I need faith. (laughs) So I've got to ask Him. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. You ask Him. He'll give you that. But you've got to ask Him in faith. So the things we know to do, we must do in what we cannot do in ourselves, and we seem powerless to do. There is a power in heaven. There is a power of God. Amen. That will help us to accomplish what we cannot do on our own. You need a victory over something, God will give it to you. Hallelujah. But we are called to grow. Going back to this, Jesus set an example. Along this journey, you're called to grow. You're called to grow. You know, nobody in the Bible should ever have a testimony. Well, you know, I'm a babe in Christ. If you know you're a babe, you're choosing to be a babe. It's like Brother Clendenin said years ago. He said, I don't mind bottle feeding some of you folks in this church. He said, but some of you are going to have to remove your false teeth. What was he saying? You've been in here 20 years. And you still don't know what to do? You ain't been listening. You've not been obedient. You know, there's people that know to do good, but they don't do it. And to them, it is a sin. Amen. Hallelujah. To whom much is given, much is required. You want to know why you live in torment in your spirit and why you feel convicted in all of that? Because you know to do good and you're not doing it. Amen. So we need to be people that grow. Not fight against God. Because once you've been touched by the Spirit of God, you can't escape that. Amen. You can't escape that. You can't unsee that or unfeel that. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but salvation by design is for us to grow. He said you're to move on to perfection. That's what Jesus did. You know, in the scripture it says this. He, he grew, waxed strong in spirit, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And there's a lot of things that he accomplished, but for you and I, the scripture, I said by very design, salvation is for us to grow. Moving on to perfection. He said, you know, don't continue to go back to those same old first works. Amen. I can tell you, if you're repenting over the same thing you've been doing for 20 years, you've not obeyed God. We have to obey God. Well, well, pastor, the feeling still comes. Well, welcome to the club. Everybody deals with the devil coming to tempt them. Nobody in here is exempt. But you have to say no to the face of the devil. You have to say no to the temptation. Because I can tell you, the death that will come from the decisions we make to go and yield to temptation is far worse than the pain that you will experience by saying or dealing with temptation. Amen. Come on now. But he said, move on to perfection. Not laying again those first works. Seeing the love of God perfected in us. We need to have that. The love of God should continually be perfected in our lives. And a lot of times, well, if you read the scripture in its context, and it isn't even part of my notes, this is just an addendum to that statement. Love being perfected is when you and I Love our brother like we're supposed to. That's scripture. That's when love is perfected. Amen. That's when love is perfected. Because I can tell you, you have a love for God. 
but you need to have a love for your brother. We must, amen. But seeing this, but not only that, but we're supposed to be students that study the word of God to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are saved to the uttermost, and we are to live unto God unto the uttermost, and live in the uttermost completely, perfectly, eternally. We're supposed to live unto God. God and, and, and church it cannot be this just little basic flip through Bible study thing that you see and hear so much it's like it's like uh, Pastor Lee Ship said to me he said the majority of what I hear being taught and you hear uh, across the scope across the spectrum he said it's boring to me there's no life there but when you get somebody that will preach I said a classical Pentecostal message he said yes I said the spirit of God will move. We just need the good old fashioned word of God. And we need to know that he's a God who saves us to the uttermost. In other words, he saves us completely. He saves us perfectly. And he saves us eternally. And we are perfected in him, but he's continuing to perfect us and sanctify us and change us. Strong states, when it says saved to the uttermost, it means through all time. So from the time you get saved, you receive Christ, till you take your last breath, He's working on you. Some people started and they took a detour and backslid for years. But they're back on the holy highway. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. They're back on the holy highway. And I don't want to, of course, put anybody on blast. I used to do that all the time. I don't want to do that no more. Unless your last name is Skiles in your open game. But what I'm saying to you is this. That people... They were started out serving God, but they got off and they backslid. But they realized, I got to get back on that holy highway because ain't nothing down there on that off ramp. Amen. But a dead end. But a dead end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But strong states that uttermost is through all time to eternity. God does a completed work. And so every time you go to him, don't go to him as a God who is mediocre or does things halfway. Don't have a halfway faith or a halfway belief. But believe God, the one, amen, who spared not his own life but laid it down for you and I. The God who sent his only begotten son, amen. How shall he not freely give? Give you everything that you need. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. My son here knows if he were just, say, for instance, driving to Phoenix and he were out there three and a half hours away and he called me up and said, Dad, the car completely ran off the road. It, well, it doesn't run. I can't get it to start. There's not a second that would, not for one second would I stop and say, Well, son, I hope everything works out for you. I said, Okay, all right. Well, what are we going to do? You know, he's smart enough to know I got to, Either I'm going to call AAA, but if I ain't got AAA, what do I got? I, I, of course, he said, I'm going to call my dad. And I'm going to be there like that. I'm not going to tell him, well, you know, I don't have time today. Don't call me. I'm busy. That's how God, he, he says, I, I gave you everything. I love my kids. I love my boys. I love all of you. But those are my boys. Those are my children. I'd do anything for my kids. Amen. It was within my power that God would allow me to do. I'd do anything. I wouldn't tell him, well, hope it all works out for you. Hope you get some people to help you push it to the nearest intersection. No. How far are you away? Three hours. I'll be there in three hours. Let me just get my shoes and socks on. That's If I have that kind of love, you think God isn't great? He, the Bible says he is. If you earthly fathers know how to give your children good gifts, how much more? Shall God give unto you? He will freely give you all you need. He who would not even spare his own son, but gave him for you. 
I want you to have a faith on this journey. He's with me. He's not forsaken me. Amen. Never forget, we are living in time. And it's processing day by day. It tends to be something that deeply frustrates the deep spiritual. Those that are deeply spiritual get frustrated at times. Because you're on this road and you're thinking, man, I'm in year one, but God's going to take me home at 78, let's just say, or 80. But I'm in year one of my salvation. Okay? And, and, and you got 30, 40, 50 years ahead of you, 60 years ahead of you, or maybe 70 years ahead of you if you get saved young. And a lot of times as we grow in God, we get very frustrated. Uh, those that have the, that, that, that deeply spiritual, you're hungry and you're thirsty, and you're thinking, man, wh- you know, I'm here and Jesus was a child. you got to understand this. He's a child, but he's got, you know, between the ages of 12 and 30, he's got all that life he has to live. And we're going to get into it in just a minute here. But don't get frustrated in the journey. Remember this. You're on a journey. This earthly life is not a destination. It tends to be deeply spiritually, you know, frustrating. But we're living this day by day processing. Every day it's a process. Every day. And you'll notice in the Word of God, God deals with us with Scripture that speaks to us in daily increments. He said in Matthew 6, 34, Jesus did, Sufficient for the day is the evil of that. So take no thought for tomorrow. Just just be concerned with today, what God gives you for today. And he does give us things daily. He gave them daily manna and he said in the Lord's Prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our forgiveness. Amen. Of course, he'll forgive you throughout the day. But you've got to know every day his mercies are new every morning. Every day is a new day. Sufficient for the day is the evil, but so is his mercy. So is his spiritual provision. So is his daily bread given unto us. So is God's deliverance and God's forgiveness. And the Lord's Prayer reminds us of this daily life, God's provision, and our responsibility every day. Every day. Jesus said, I must be, verse 49, about my Father's business. Jesus was making it clear, Joseph is really not my father. He didn't say that disrespectfully. He said it and he inferred it to Mary. I know you've been looking for me, but did you forget 12 years ago when the angel, or almost 13 years ago when the angel came and visited you? Amen. You're my earthly mother, but my my father is God, God the Father. He's the one that by his spirit hovered over me, over you rather, and I was born, conceived of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, Joseph's not my dad, he's my stepdad. No. But he said, I'm about my father's business. Did you forget that? I love it. He said things and caused everybody to just kind of step back and process what he was saying. But Jesus was making it clear, Joseph is really not my father. I have a spiritual eternal call and mandate, and that's what I'm doing. And the Bible says in verse 50 that they didn't get that. They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. But he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. You know, Jesus taught us about submission. And we must take these words and truths about submission and we we must make a mental note of them because we're all supposed to be people of submission it's not just for the wives it's not just for the children it's not just for you know people in the church it's for every one of us people in the church under their leaders or under the under the pastor that God's put over them no it's every one of us and I'm going to break it down here a little bit but Jesus taught us about submission Submission is very hard for most Christians. Yet, what, uh, what are some of the things that we learn here that Jesus teaches us from his life and the things that he did? What we learn is Jesus was secure 
and who he was and what his life was all about. That's why he had no problem submitting. He could submit to Mary and Joseph because he was secure in who he was and what his life was all about. This is the hallmark of maturity, being submissive. Hear me. It's the hallmark of maturity, being submissive. And the person that says, I ain't going to listen to him. I don't have to listen to him. I'll, I'll go down the road. Okay, go ahead. What you're saying is, I'm not going to submit to you. But if you look at a person's pattern, you see that they've never submitted to anybody. I said, clearly, your problem is with submission because that's what's happened with the last seven churches you've been at. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. Well, when you come to new life, you got a pastor that loves you and will sit down with you and talk with you. Hey, you got something you want to talk to me about? Come on, let's talk. I'm not going to stand in front of you and go, don't you question me, don't you get, no, come, let's talk. I have reasons why I feel the way I do. I have reasons why I preach what I preach. Amen. But I, I'm going to tell you, I will deal with everybody personally with respect. I will. Because you know what? I belong to Christ. And I am responsible as a shepherd to treat the sheep in a certain way. And so, but there, there are pastors that you can't even ask them one simple question. They'll go off on you. I'm going to tell you, that's not me. Now, don't come up to me and, and start in on me. Let's sit down and let's talk. Amen? You respect me. I respect you. Let's have a mutual respect there. Jesus, the word of God says, come, let us reason together. Let's talk this thing out. Amen? But if you can't even go to somebody and talk to a pastor, or if you won't even go and give them, afford them the opportunity to talk to them, you're wrong. Because we're supposed to submit to leadership, and that's just the bottom line. And, and the greatest thing that could be said about you is that you can overcome things in your own church and get over them and work through them and say, you know what? I'm going to, because let me tell you something. This is, this is eternity we're talking about. And if God planted me here, then all of this is working towards God's perfect will in my life. Amen. I'm telling you, there were things. Look, there were things that Pastor Duke would say, and I'd sit in church, and I would bristle. Oh, I would bristle. Don't even act like you ain't never bristled. Amen. I'd sit there, and i think, he talking about me. Holy Ghost said, apparently he is. i crawl up in that altar and weep and cry and ask God, forgive me. You know, it doesn't matter if he's wrong. If my heart's wrong and I won't submit, I'm wrong. You think David didn't know that Saul had issues? But he said, I'm not going to touch it. I, I, think about it. How many times he tried to kill him? And it wasn't even like blindsided kill him. It was throwing a spear at him. You know, a javelin, yeah. Was, chased him all over. He told him, you're chasing me all over this mountainside. You know, but I love you. You're my spirit father to me. I've had two opportunities to take you out, and I never did it. Did you get that? Amen. God had to deal with me numerous, 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 numerous times. And I know when it happened in my life, the moment that I said, you know what, God? I'm submitting to you, and I'm submitting to this leadership no matter what. Amen. Even if there's things that I think I could do better, there's things that I disagree on or this or that, I'm going to submit to his leadership. And the moment that that began to happen in my life is the moment God said, all right, you're ready to start your own church. I'm going to tell you, it happened like that. Promotion comes from the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let me get, get, get back to this. Submission is the hallmark of maturity. Because even though we may know more than a leader, or in Jesus' case, his parents, it's not a matter of what you know, but who you are becoming. It's not a matter of a right decision, 
but becoming the right person. Because between 12 and 33, Jesus, really 30, Jesus was submitted to his parents. And if you don't get anything else out of this, this is something you could teach your children and maybe some of us could learn ourselves. He honored his earthly mother and father. So he truly did keep all of the law. If we are to grow and become what is God's perfect will or bring him glory and honor, we must be submitted. So husbands, you've got to be submitted to God. You know, ladies, I want to tell you something. Just remember this, and I've preached this for years, and I haven't really seen that we had a severe need of this in the church. But every once in a while, I got a hit on it. And the, the Scripture says that in the Bible, it talks about how that the wives are supposed to be submitted under their husbands. In Ephesians 5, uh, uh, 22. And, and the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as Christ is subject unto, as, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Just remember this. That husband is the head of that household, the spiritual head, and he's supposed to be a spiritual priest. And if you are married to somebody that's not serving God, uh, uh, ladies, I can tell you, pray that God will get a hold of him. But if you've got a man, a man that wants to live for God, you you've won half the battle. Amen. You got to understand this, and 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 he has a head too. And so, just remember this: if you say he's being hard, he's throwing his weight, spiritual weight around. I've seen men do that, you know, submit, submit, and all this other stuff. I understand. I've heard that. But listen to this: he has a head too. And brothers, as priests of the household, there are special privileges and blessings of being in leadership, but I'm going to tell you something right now. There's also great, heavier responsibilities. Amen. We are responsible to lead our wives, lead our family, in the, and lead them in the Word, pray with them, teach them to pray, teach them the Word of God. No woman's supposed to drag around a priest. But if that husband isn't serving God or he's not being a priest, then you're the spiritual leader in that home. It happens. Unfortunately, it happens. But you know what? If he's serving God, ladies, submit to him. And I can tell you it's the mark of maturity to submit to him. And, 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 and brothers and husbands, let me tell you something. I say, brothers, men that are husbands in this house, listen to me. You don't rule that wife with a rod of iron. She's not chattel. She's not a property. You understand me. You have a relationship here. Amen. Sister Skiles and I have a relationship. Amen. And, and we, she understands that submission. She understands it. There's times. Amen. I can tell you she knows clearly what the law is, what's going on in the house, what the rules are. She understands that. She said that to me tonight. She said, I don't think I'm unsubmissive to you. I said, you're not. I'm going to tell you right now. But I've seen where there has been that. Hallelujah. I've seen it, and it's terrible. But listen, God is saying unto us, getting back to this, husbands have a head. It's Christ, God Almighty. Wives have a head, that husband. Children, in verse uh, chapter 6, are supposed to obey their parents. They have a somebody that they're supposed to submit to, the parent that leads them and guides them. Uh, by the Spirit of God. Members are supposed to be submitted to their pastors. I'm going to give you two scriptures, and I'm just going to refer to them. I'm not going to go and hammer on them because I don't have to. I don't feel like in our church that there are people that are disrespectful or that people that, that for the most part, that don't submit to the leadership. You do. I know you do, and I appreciate that. But he said in Hebrews 13, 7, Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, 
God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. In other words, their fruit. Look at their lives. Look at their fruit. Look at that. But in verse 17, he said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, and that is unprofitable for you. In other words, don't make your pastor's life harder than it should be. Because there's folks sitting in here, you have no idea the hours and the labor of prayer that people pray for you, especially your leaders. Amen. Some of you wouldn't be here tonight if somebody hadn't labored in prayer for you. But you're here for that reason. Amen. So submit to your leaders because they care about you. They love you. I'm responsible for you. One day I'm going to stand before God and give an account for your soul. And I don't want to stand before him and him say, you never prayed for them. You watched them backslide and go to hell and you never prayed for them. No. You never prayed for their progress and their you know, advancement and their growth. I did. I do. I will. Amen. I want to. And believers are supposed to submit to one another. That's Ephesians 5.21. I'm not there, but I was. But Ephesians 5.21, he says that we're supposed to submit one to another. Let me read it to you. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And in that, just simply saying, hey, let me tell you something. Even though I'm the pastor, Santo is my brother. Amen. He's my brother. Hallelujah. I love him. He loves me. And I, and, 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 and I have a responsibility as a Christian along this journey to be submitted unto the body of Christ. And you know what? That's what we're supposed to do, one to another. One to another. It blows my mind how people will not submit to God, His Word, or godly ordained leaders, but they will have no problem without question submitting themselves to the devil. You'll hear him say, I'm not, uh-uh. And I said, but yet you'll go, and you'll open yourself wide open. Come on now. Amen. What, what happened, church? What happened to your amens? <laughs> I like the way you're shouting. They'll, they'll, they'll say, I'm not going to submit to him. I'm not going to church. I said, yeah, but you go to the bar. You submit to the liquor. You submit to the club. Amen. You submit to the drug. You submit to the, the, to the, to the, the lust that pulls you to do the things that sexually you're not supposed to do that are illicit and sinful. Come on. You're either going to submit to God and God's authority or you're going to submit to the devil. And I can tell you God has given him a limited amount of authority. Who are you going to submit to? You're going to submit to somebody and something. But it blows my mind. I said, you prefer that over joy and happiness and peace and all of the things that come with living for God. Amen. Most of us have already been there. We don't want to go back to that. Because we've already been there and done that. We know what that kind of life leads to. Amen. There's something to be said about discipline submission. It's a quiet strength. Ultimately, it's obedience unto God. And in submitting, you're saying my obedience to God is greater than my pride or my ego or my self-will. All of these things are things that Jesus had to do along the journey. Okay? What's going to bring me into a greater place? Let me tell you something. First of all, where you're at right now is not where you're going to be if the Lord tarries in 10 years from now or 5 years from now. You don't know where you're going to be. You could grow in God and God could call you to pastor. You need a lot of prayer. Amen. You could grow in the things of God and be used to lead worship, to teach class, to run, uh, to be a leader of some capacity or to go on the mission field or something like that. You know, I didn't, I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to say it because I feel it in my heart. And I know that he would attest to it and he would agree with me. But Brother Bob came here two years ago, 
and 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 not shortly after he was here in the services and we I would talk to him I, I remember telling him, I said, brother, you know what? I just feel like in my heart, God has confirmed in my heart, you're supposed to be a missionary. You're supposed to go into India, Nepal, wherever God has laid upon your heart. And he came through a year and a half period of time. I don't know that he knew when he first came here that, that he would leave from here and go into the mission field. But it was all in the process and then the journey of his walk with God that brought him to that place. Amen. And so everything that's taken place, you've got to know it's in the will of God. And my submission and submitting unto God has got to be greater. And it proves that it's greater. Obedience to God is greater than my pride or ego or my self-will. What's awesome is who you become. Who we become as we grow and we wax strong in spirit and grow in grace. Who we become. They were astonished at Jesus' questions and his answers. It shows a teachable spirit. We must have a teachable spirit. Stephen's wisdom could not be resisted in the book of Acts. That's the kind of heart we want to have. Because I can tell you, Proverbs says that a mouth, the mouth of, of the righteous is a well of life. That's what it says. I was reading this afternoon I want to read it to you again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to close here in just a moment, but stay here with me. Don't, don't, don't get frustrated with me. Don't get tired on me. Amen. You know, stay here with me. But Proverbs 16, 24 says this. It says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There is these words that come from a spiritual person that speak life. Speak life. Amen. When you speak, wisdom will come out. The world needs the church to be this caliber of person along the journey. There's too much arguing and debating going on on TikTok and YouTube and all of the social media outlets where people are trying to prove somebody or one-up somebody. And I said, and they're walking away angry, not saying, what a God. They're saying, I got to go sharpen up my argument. Not saying, what a God. Amen. What they need is life, not debate. The Father's business is for us to know God and make Him known. Don't ever forget that. To know God and to make Him known. Make Him known. That example. And the unsurrendered intellects that refuse to submit to God. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't even waste my time. Oh, Pastor, you're horrible. Oh, Jesus said... Don't cast your pearls before swine. There are people that absolutely refuse to hear the truth. Although they tout that they are intellectual and intelligent. And they know more than everybody else. And we're all the fools that believe in a fairy tale. I said, let me tell you something. If it's a fairy tale, then who the heck is that in that demon-possessed person that when I say at the name of Jesus, they scream? Explain that to me. Explain to me how a person can come down here and pour out their heart and cry out to God and God delivers them from meth after they've done it for 14 years. Explain that to me. I said, see, there's a power here. I can tell you, he is real. There's a power and an authority. And, and when, when you begin to step into the walk of faith and come to God and let him by his supernatural power change your life. See, they say they're intellectual, but see, they don't want to submit to God. And they claim to be these intellectual people, or as they say in Spanish, muy inteligente. Right. Yeah, I got a few up my sleeve. Well, yo tengo poder. Amen. Amen. The, under, the unsurrendered intellects that refuse to submit don't even take any time, don't cast your pearls before swine. There's someone who wants to know, who wants the life of God that you have. Share that with them. We have a whole life. Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. And my business or his business that I'm to be about is to grow. It's to make Christ known. 
and to live a life that's submitted unto God. Everything you see in those scriptures, God's speaking to you and I. We must grow. We must submit. We must be a specimen of somebody that has a spirit-filled life. And they have the evidences of that. Amen. They have the evidences of it. Some people say, well, you know, don't just kick everybody to the curb. I'm not. But Jesus went to, to Samaria. Before he got there, they met him at the gate of the city. And they said, we don't want you to come in here. Well, the sons of thunder said, bless God. Well, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Just call down fire from heaven. Just pull a Sodom and Gomorrah on them. Fire and brimstone from heaven. Jesus said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. The most sad statement ever made in Scripture was this. He went to another city. So if you reject him, there's somebody else that will accept him. Think of all the miracles they rejected. But he went to another city. He said far greater punishment, or I should say judgment, is that they received nothing when they could have received everything. I have to call down fire from heaven. That kind of life will catch up with them. And then they'll be in the hospital or they'll be in a mental ward or they'll be in a prison or they'll be in a rehab screaming. Somebody called a pastor that I couldn't stand. Somebody called a pastor that I got mad at. Have him come over here because I need somebody to pray over me. Come on. We're in this journey, in this life. God is saying to you and I, Grow. Make an impact on this generation. Be submitted unto God. Live this life in such a way. Because that is what we are called to do. And this is not a destination. It's a journey. So don't get caught up in that. Amen. Because the devil will lead you to believe, I'm going to miss out on something. No, you're not. only thing you're going to miss out on is all of the trash that comes with it. All the weight and the sin. And the effects, don't do it to yourself. Amen. You know, I just feel my heart. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Jesus. Jesus. Father, I thank you tonight. And Lord, if there's somebody here tonight, it's just, so I'm coming into this new season, Lord, this new year. And I want more than anything, Lord, for it to be, Lord, different than it ever was before. Thank you, Lord. I'm asking you tonight, God, to minister, Lord, in the name of Jesus.